it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 134. Tonight, we're going to do a book review. I'm going to talk about a book that I read recently and we'll kind of go over some notes that I took on the book and Andrew and I will talk a little bit about it. So the name of the book is called Skin in the Game. It was written by Nassim Talib. Now, if you have not read any of his books, this is his fifth installment of the Incerto series. So he's also written some other fantastic books like uh, Black Swan, uh, Anti-Fragile, uh, Skin in the Game is his most recent one. Uh, that's uh, actually the one that I've read. I have not read the other four yet. Uh, Andrew, have you read any of his books? I've done some of Black Swan. It, he, he's like a very fascinating guy. He's got a lot of great ideas. Uh, w- people revere him because when he wrote Black Swan, I think it was right before either the 2010 flash crash or the 2000. 2009 bear market but basically the gist of it is that people try to reduce risk in the market and with their investing but they don't think of what is it called like a sigma six event or something they don't Mm -hmm. think of that black swan the unprecedented event that we've never seen and all it takes is that to really wipe out all the other smarts and gains that you've had and you know the timing of that book was great the theories in the book and everything like that are are really good. And it's something that, especially I think as the internet goes on and on and on and I'll stop going on and on and on about it. But, (laughs) uh, you know, as we get more educated and people know more about investing, we tend to take kind of these mental shortcuts and think that, Hey, this is the way to reduce risk. But if we're not really defining risk in the right way, then we're not, really reducing risk against something that could happen that we've never seen. And so, you know, his, it's really an idea that kind of flips the idea of risk on its head and it's, it's profound and it's true. And so, you know, that's, I I know that book had a lot of critical acclaim. I I think anti-fragile did too. And yeah, I, I wish I really had 
it, it's it, they're tough reads, man. Like he, yeah, it's it, he's they're very not very academic, but at the same yes. time, it's it's really fascinating. Yeah, it is. It's it's not uh, it's not Game of Thrones, you know, thrilling, super easy to read kinds of books. Uh, yeah, they're they're very they're very dense. I think that's what I heard somebody say about him. They're very dense. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's incredibly intelligent, and he's probably considered one of the smarter thinkers out there right now. And uh, he's very eloquent. He's very educated. He's also extremely opinionated. And if you want a a great person to follow on Twitter. That's always entertaining. Uh, he would definitely be uh, a must read, if you will. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the game. So, or the game, uh, the book, uh, Skin in the Game. So what is Skin in the Game? Well, let's, let's think about this. So let's consider two people to kind of use an example. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull out some different examples that he used through the book. So the first example is, uh, is a banker who's selling questionable mortgage-backed securities, so-called the credit default swaps. He knows that these securities possess a systemic risk, which may cause them to blow up in the case of a black swan event, which Andrew was just talking about. However, he and his employer are making good bucks from speculating in these securities. And by the way, if they're to blow up in a case of an unexpected event, the bank can probably expect a bailout anyways. So consider person number two. Person number two is a pilot. He works for an airline. He does, he makes pretty good money and his work revolves around taking people from point A to point B in the safest and quickest manner possible. He knows, however, that if anything were to happen to his customers, i.e. the passengers, he would literally go down with them as well. So skin in the game is really about symmetry. If you're able to reap the benefits of a positive outcome, you also must pay the harm or the penalty if something goes wrong. So the risk shouldn't be able to be possible to transfer to others. So who's got skin in the game in our first two examples? It's pretty obvious. It's uh, the banker uh, does not have skin in the game. It's definitely the pilot because if the pilot goes down, if you know everybody that he's transporting dies in a plane crash, which would be horrible, obviously, the pilot's also going to die as well. Whereas the banker in our scenario, he is not going to lose anything because the bank would take the blame and he would be able to transfer the risk to the government or the taxpayers like us and they would be able to bail out his mistakes so he really doesn't have uh heads in a game uh talib refers to this kind of like the head the bankers win tails someone else loses uh, he calls it the bob rubin trade uh so skin in the game is kind of the detector uh, it allows you to judge the reliability of knowledge and or certain advice it's also about the symmetry of human affairs. So those that do not take risks should never be involved in making decisions. So I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, when you think about skin in the game, it really kind of involves having something, you know, at risk when you do anything, whether it's investing, whether it's, you know, asking a girl out on a date, whether it's, you know, deciding not to study for a test, you know, you're going to be the one that's going to quote unquote pay the, pay the price if things go sideways. All right. So uh, let's talk about a little bit, some implications of skimming the game. So let's talk about like minority, how it rules over the majority and how it can make you smarter and how it can turn employees into, as he calls it, obedient dogs. Uh, have you ever thought about why peanuts are not allowed on airplanes? <laughs> uh, perhaps why TV series sometimes end up getting banned because of some ethnic slur or perhaps why a dietary advice such as veganism has such an impact. 
It's all due to the minority rule, which comes from skin in the game. When there's a minority that can't really compromise, the flexible majority will adopt to the preferences of the minority. For example, a person who's allergic to peanuts won't board a plane with peanuts on it. A person who isn't allergic to peanuts, on the other hand, can board a plane filled with peanuts. But he doesn't really mind boarding one which is peanut-free either. Simply put, the most intolerant wins. So, i.e., the person that is allergic to peanuts cannot get on the plane. So, if they want people to fly on the plane, they have to make the planes peanut-free. Kind of makes sense. Imagine the stubborn daughter who manages to convince her whole family into eating vegan food only because of some environmental, ethical, or fictional slash fictional, quote unquote, health related reasons. Now imagine this family going to a barbecue. The organizers of the barbecue know of the preferences of this family, so they're left with two options, cooking two separate dishes or cooking a single meal that is vegan. The path of lethal resistance is obviously to cook vegan. Now, even the supermarket in the neighborhood must supply uh, the increase of vegan food to simply meet the needs of the minority. So see how the most stubbornly minority was able to convince the not-so-stubborn majority. In society, this only requires a small level of such stubborn minorities, say 3%, to impose their preferences on the majority. Talib tells the story of how hopeless it was for him to learn about probability and statistics in school. As soon as he got his first position as a trader, though, he suddenly had skin in the game, and this made all the difference. Unexpectedly, everything seemed clear. How come he didn't understand that before? Because he added skin in the game, which actually makes you smarter. It makes you have to actually pay attention and decide to figure out what it is you actually really need to know. All right, so let's talk about financial statements for reading them for sure. Uh is it boring? Can be. <laughs> uh, is it hard? No, it's not, but it, it does take some learning. So analyzing the profits, liabilities, the cash flow of a company sometimes cannot be all that interesting, but it is a necessity to becoming a great long-term investor. And once you have skin in the game, there's a lot of money on the line, so the activity becomes anything but mundane. So let's think about some of our heroes that we've talked about. Warren Buffett, for example, he talks about how he reads five hours a day at least, or 500 pages a day, I believe it is. Is that right? 500 pages? I thought it was five hours, but it's probably both. Yeah, Yeah, it's probably both. Uh, You know darn well he's reading a lot of 10Ks, a lot of financial statements. And for him, it's exciting because he has skin in the game. He has money on the line when he's investing. Andrew and I are the same same way. For us, I mean, we're geeks, so we like it. It's interesting to us, but we also have skin in the game. You know, when you know we're saving money for our retirement, a big reason why we read these is because we have skin in the game. We want to know what's going on. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money. Not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. 
Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Uh, for, so for me, I remember starting out as a, as a beginner, and I don't know if anybody's ever picked up on this, but some you know places or people or websites will recommend that you know maybe you should start paper trading and 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 you know basically the idea of paper trading is you would uh write down a stock ticker and you would write down hey i, I would have bought this here and then you kind of track it over time um i had tried doing that when i first started investing and it never really made anything click for me and it wasn't until i actually bought my first share of stock is when something something flipped where now all of a sudden I was very interested in it. I was able to pick up a lot of knowledge uh, really quickly and um, j- just really got immersed in it right away. And I think that's a, a, an example of skin in the game and a reason why a lot of the time I'd always try to recommend, hey, if you can, just buy a share of stock as soon as possible. Don't try to overthink like, like that buying your next stock is going to be this huge event and and it needs to be so carefully planned out really. And now even with no commission trades, you can, you can just buy one share, spend like five, 10, $15, get, get a share and, and know what it's like to see that in your brokerage account, know what it's like to see that balance fluctuating up and down and, and uh, get in the habit of kind of, being immersed as an investor, and I think that's a it's a far better way than than paper trading or or doing anything of that sort when you're first trying to get started. And it's because once you have skin in the game, you really start to pay attention. I totally agree, and that's that's the theme that that he keeps coming back to over and over and over again in the book. And he uses you know countless examples of situations and ideas and things that happen in society with people that really kind of help illustrate skin in the game and how much of an impact it really has on us as you know humans as we 
tr- struggle to find motivation for different things. Uh, he really believes that once you discover skin in the game and whatever aspect it is, it will definitely change your mindset and your thought pattern and, and your incentive to get better at it. Like Andrew was talking about with investing, once he had skin in the game, i.e. his money, it became a lot more interesting to him. Uh, same thing happened to me. Exactly the same thing. I, you know, I bought Microsoft just like Andrew did. And, uh, once I, once I pulled the trigger on that, then things got, you know, quote unquote more real. And, uh, I, were, I wanted to learn as much as I could about what I was trying to do because it, it made sense. You know, I work hard for my money just like we all do. And I didn't want to just, you know, gamble it away because I didn't know what it was that I was doing and it became far more interesting. All right. So moving on, <clears throat> there's a, another takeaway that he had. It's kind of, uh, he refers to it as inequality versus inequality. So he's talked about uh, the importance of uh, not resenting rich p- people. And if you want to be rich one day yourself, uh, he wants to ask us this question, what group of people would you strip of their riches if you could? So if we could take money away from a group of people, which group would it be? So group A would be the entrepreneur, the musician, and the football pro. Group B would be the banker, the bureaucrat, the chief, chief executives, people who wear a tie. So, Andrew, which group do you think would it be <laughs> that we would want to strip the money from? Well, I, I already know, first off, what without having read the book, I already know which one he's going to pick. Okay. Um, it's just like so black and white. But yeah, it, you, you take away from the people who are um, part of the system and, and you want to give towards the people who create. Yes. Yep, that's exactly right. So what he said was, uh, chances are you're going to tolerate the inequalities associated with group A, but resent the rich people from group B. Why is this? Uh, because the rich people of group B appear to be persons just like us, with the exception they have probably played the system and acquired privileges that aren't warranted for their positions. So if you had shown the studies in America are more prone to resent people who got rich from salaries rather than those who, who uh, earned it through entrepreneurial endeavors. Uh, Talib suggests that w- what people resent, or at least what they should resent, is individuals at the top without skin in the game. Uh, consider the banker who earns a lot of money, but is very risky. Bats it, and when uh, crap hits the fan, he calls Black Swan and gets a bailout. Uh, compare this to an entrepreneur who started in his mother's basement, uh, coding software, no part-time job. His downside is all the hours he spent developing that software are in vain and have to stay in that basement until he's like 40 or something. Hey, you. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. So let's talk about another takeaway he had. So takeaway number four was ergodicity. Uh, so consider two different games. So game A, six people are invited to play Russian roulette. You get $1 million every time someone takes a shot and survives. You'll have to pay $3 million every time someone dies. The next day, six new people are invited. Group B, you're invited to play a game of Russian roulette. The deal is that you should take six shots every day. You get $1 million each time you pull the trigger and survive, but you'll have to pay $3 million each time you put a hole through the back of your skull. The next day, you're invited to play again. The expected value of the two games are identical, $330,000 per shot, but there's an important difference. Game A involves so-called 
uh, ensemble probability, or in other words, the probability of a collective, while game B involves time probability, or in other words, the probabilities of a single person through time. Game A fulfills what Talib calls ergodicity. For someone to be ergo, there could be an ex- absorbing barrier, which means something that is irreversible. In game A, you'll be able to get the long-term returns of a game as every new day you'll get six new people coming to play. Furthermore, during a single day, it doesn't matter to a player if six players get five to bite the dust, he can play anyways. In game B, on the other hand, that is clearly not the case. If you manage to blow the brains out on your fifth try, there won't be a sixth try. Yeah, okay, that's a good point. In other words, you have an absorbing barrier. You can't play the game any longer. Confusion arises regarding ergodicity because it may seem that since one-off risk is reasonable, an additional one-off after that is reasonable too. At the roulette table, for example, it comes to us naturally that that is not the case. If we keep trying to double the money we've earned, we will eventually go broke. In real life, it could be stealthy. Eating a bag of potato chips is bad if you do it once in a while, but doing it consistently every day for many years will make it so that you face the risk of meeting an absorbing barrier through your own death by cardiovascular disease or diabetes. Uh, let's apply ergodicity to trading. Is trading with a portfolio always risking $2,000 in each bet an ergodistic strategy? No, it's not. The issue is, is that at some point you'll go bust using a strategy. That's an absorbing barrier. Once you hit $0 on your account, you can no longer play the game unless you go outside of the game to find more money to start a new one, of course, but that's another story. So, so let me, let me try to wrap my head around the, the first game that you mentioned, it's all new people. Is it assuming that like, let's say it's me, am I part of the game, but then I get to rotate with six fresh people. Does he have like a a concrete example later on in the book about how that kind of relates to a personal investor or is he kind of going on with the, the whole like banker thing again? From what you understand, uh, yeah, he's more talking about talking about the, the banker at that point. Uh, he's the way that I the way that I understood it is that <clears throat> you have you can keep playing until you hit an, a barrier that forces you to have to stop. And when you have skin in the game, you have a choice of which kind of game you want to keep playing. If you want to keep gambling and trying to one up, one up, one up, one up, eventually you're going to hit a barrier where you can't do it anymore. Whereas right. if you try to be less risk averse, you have a better chance of continuing to play for as long as you want to play. Uh, okay. So the last takeaway that I wanted to talk about is how the investor can use skin in the game to his advantage. Uh, skin in the game is of major importance for an investor to understand. Not only to the passive investor who lets his or her money be managed by someone else, but also to the active investor who makes his own financial decisions. Uh, let's examine how these two differ. Skin in, skin in the game for the passive investor. When it comes to financial advice, this is a good starting point. Don't tell me what you think and just tell me what's in your portfolio. And sure, there are differences how risk averse people are, what their financial situation looks like, and so on, which may have had an effect on an optimal portfolio should you look for each individual. But by knowing what your money manager truly believes in and using that as a foundation to how to construct your portfolio is always a good idea. Uh, this can also be considered when investing in 
actively manage our ships. Make sure that the money manager has skin in the game or that he or she isn't allowed to reap the benefits of the positive outcome, but has to pay the price in case of a negative outcome too. So a lot like what you're doing. Yeah. You know, a lot of it reminds me of uh, one of the very early episodes we did was uh, episode six, I think. Basically, six things mm-hmm. the financial industry won't tell you. Yes, a lot of the the conflicts of interest we kind of broke down and and tried to describe, and it, it sounds like you know he's he's just confirming that again and again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know the the skin in the game is a is a comment or a topic that I've heard from a lot of different investors. A lot of the people that I listen to on a lot of the podcasts they talk a lot about you know eating their own cooking, so to speak, you know, that they have their money tied up in exactly the same places that uh, they recommend or have people pay them to invest for them. They do the exact same thing. Uh, I know Vitaly does. I know Toby does. I know Matt Faber does, you know, all those people, uh, they all do. And, you know, that's definitely skin in the game for sure. Which is funny because so, it sounds like common yeah. sense. And then you go out into the real world and you realize it's, it's not, not the case at all. <laughs> like you have to no, be really careful with what you know whose advice you take. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the next point that he wanted to make along these same lines was he was talking about Warren Buffett. So uh, the world's greatest investor, Warren Buffett, uh, applied this when he formed his first investing partnership, Buffett Associates. Uh, the deal was that he would gain half the upside above a four percent gain, but pay a quarter of the downside to his partners. Skin in the game for the active investor. So he definitely, uh, his partnership, he definitely had skin in the game because he stood to gain quite a bit if he did well. And if he didn't do well, then he, he suffered, suffered the price. So I thought that was kind of interesting. All right. So uh, I guess to kind of wrap up, uh, some of my thoughts, uh, Skin in the game is about a symmetry. Uh, reaping the benefits of a positive outcome must be also be associated with paying a penalty to the negative ones. Uh, some less obvious consequences of skin in the game is that minorities can sometimes rule over majorities. You can make yourself smarter, and this uh, uh, can help you in many, many different situations. Uh, we tend to perceive inequality in situations where there's no skin in the game. The, the bottom line is investors can use skin in the game to their advantage by ensuring the people that they entrust their money to are sitting in the same boat. And it's always you know, great to think about the people that you are you know, take advice from whether it's investing, uh, it could be a work related, uh, it could be personal, any of those kinds of things. You, you have to think about what, what can you learn from these people and what do they have to gain from passing along their knowledge or how can they help you? Is that helping them just to help themselves or do they actually have skin in the game? Are they, you know, are they investing with their own money? and buying the same companies that you are? Are they following the same advice that they give you at work? Uh, any of those kinds of things, you know, there's a lot to be gained from skin in the game. And I, I think it, the, I guess the two big takeaways for me were one the you know, thinking about how your actions have consequences. And, you know, if you have risk and you have passion and you go for things, you're going to feel that much more rewarded when you achieve it, what it is you want, because you've, you know, put your skin in the game, so to speak. And I've also thought about how much it helps motivate me in particular to learn more about what it is that I'm passionate about. 
when I think about investing and I think about helping all the people that we try to help through our podcast, it inspires me to continue to try to learn and grow and get smarter and better at what I'm doing so that I can help more people because I feel like that's something that I want to pass along to other people and help as much as I can because that's why we're all here in the world. And when I read this book, that really kind of struck me as I was reading the book. It was, you know, he, he refers to all these different stories and he, he comes back and back again to all these different points. And, you know, for somebody dense like me, it really helped strike home what he was trying to say. And it really took a lot away from the book. Yeah, I like that. I think, I think your passion shows and it's definitely, um, easy, like from my personal standpoint too, it's a lot easier to get excited and, and kind of be a nerd about learning and, and digging into stocks uh, when we're able to pass it along. And, and maybe that's kind of a hidden lesson in of itself too. Um, when you get to a point where you feel you're, you're comfortable, you, you know what you're doing and, and it's working for you. And then if you pass it along to somebody else as well, uh, that can give you an extra skin in the game and, and help you hone your own abilities. I know it's certainly helped me. Um, so from an even uh, unintentionally um, passing the knowledge along in the sense of like not understanding that, that that can actually be a huge asset for you too because that added skin in the game really helps you get focused and, and really figure out what you're doing. And, and I think that can lead to better results over the long term. All right, folks. Well, that is going to wrap up our discussion of skin in the game today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and my thoughts on the book review. Highly, highly recommend all of his books. I haven't read all of them yet, but from everything that I've read about them, they are fantastic reads and you can learn a lot from him. Very, very smart guy. You can find all of his books on Audible as well as at uh Amazon. So without any further ado, I'll go ahead and sign us out. You guys go out there and have a great week. Invest with a margin of safety and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com Until next time, Have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.